the fruits of Windows, Visual Studio, and Xbox, they're all starting to bloom. But before we get started, I want to give a big shout out to my friends over at Devolutions and ITPro.tv. They are sponsoring today's episode. You can find links in the description of this podcast. Make sure to go check them out. So it has been, it's like an onion of information this week. There's some things that have been announced from Microsoft that are official and, and delicious. I guess if you like onions, I don't really like onions. I don't know why I said that. Uh, there are also other announcements and things to talk about that weren't so official that are probably more exciting. So let's just roll with the official tech news, kicking it off here. Microsoft announced this week that they are bringing GUI Linux apps to Windows 10. Now this is the natural evolution of the Windows subsystem for Linux that has been available in Windows 10 and make developers' lives a little bit easier. And so if you've been saying, hey, I really need this GUI-based app for Linux available on Windows, it's now available as long as you're running the preview uh, insider build of Windows 10. Microsoft actually, I believe, said this was coming, I want to say last year at build or maybe the year before. But it has been a long initiative uh, to bring this over. And this sort of completes the, the, the obvious circle of what Microsoft can do with Linux inside of a, a container or an experience inside of Windows 10. And so that is, it's pretty cool. I don't know if there's any like Linux killer apps that you're wanting to run. But if you really want to run Wine and then run like Linux Edge on Windows because you want to be a rebel for no performance reasons whatsoever, you could effectively do that, I guess. Um, anyways, so be on the lookout for that. I would expect that that would ship this fall with the next major release of Windows. Uh, Microsoft is also launching news and interest in Windows 10. So this is a new feature that Microsoft has already talked about. But the interesting thing here is that it's coming to old feature or old iterations of Windows 10 as well. Why I find this interesting is Microsoft, at least with this so far, appears to be sort of breaking that mold that's like says, hey, you have to be running the latest version of Windows 10, no matter what. You, you really got like, because they're obviously throwing a bone to older people or older iterations of Windows 10 if you really want news and interest on your taskbar. Uh, anyway, so be on the lookout for that. It will be arriving on a Windows 10 version near you in the near future. Microsoft also announced Visual Studio 2022 this week. This is a really big deal for developers. Be on the lookout for a new build, or the, I should say probably the first build this summer. So at a high level, things that are coming are Visual Studio becomes 64-bit for the first time. The biggest win there is obviously access to more RAM. Uh, refreshed user experience and modern app development improvements. So we'll be learning, I'm sure of it, a lot more over the coming months and Microsoft will ship it. Um, it's labeled 2022, but sometimes they ship things in late 2021 before the year. But anyways, uh, we're getting a new studio, Visual Studio version here in the near future. One of the more interesting things comes out came out this week, and I've heard about this for a while, and Zach Bowden wrote it up uh, pretty well too, is that there's Microsoft planning a pretty significant overhaul to the Windows 10 store. Now, this is probably sounding like deja vu because we've heard this multiple times, but what this means is that, from what we understand so far, is it's not just going to be a pretty new interface, is that Microsoft is really relaxing the rules of what is allowing an app into the Windows Store, meaning .exe apps, meaning you don't have to repackage them inside of the MSIX or uh, packaging. Um, you can also use your own CDN. So what is all the heck that I just mean? It means, you know, in layman's terms, just about any application will be allowed into the Windows Store. It also means that developers who have the capabilities and want to can also build out their own content delivery network, meaning they can put their app into the store and have it serviced through the store through their own CDN to push updates. What this means is that they don't have to deal with the Microsoft tax of an app store uh, payment and terms and all that stuff. So effectively, Microsoft is like opening the barn door to let what appears to be just about anything into the Windows Store. Now, that is 
good for multiple reasons. One, it allows the store to actually kind of hopefully flourish. As of right now, it's dwindling and I think a failure just about on every single metric. The one thing we don't know and the, the big risk here is that how is Microsoft going to maintain control over the app so that you can't find malware or malicious applications inside the Windows Store? That is the primary benefit of things like the Apple App Store, Google Play, and Microsoft's own store is that the apps are pretty much guaranteed to not be malicious. Now, there's some exceptions to that every once in a while, but overarching, that is typically how it operates. By allowing developers to have their own CDN and deliver their own updates and put their own apps in there in a in a .exe a, a format or Win32 or, or whatever, at least the way we understand it today, that becomes much more complicated. Now, could they mitigate this by running all these apps in a sandbox container? Maybe, but we don't know yet. We're still waiting to, for Microsoft to, to sort of like, you know, give us more information about this. Again, we're on the bleeding edge of how Microsoft is going to do this, but it's it's probably the last ditch effort to make the store relevant to anything. And I think this might work just because they're pretty much saying, hey, this is just a browser for applications at this point, rather than being like a curated secure solution. So be on the lookout for that. Speaking of Sun Valley, Sun Valley, the more and more I hear about it, appears to be a pretty significant overhaul of the user experience. Actually, an image leaked out, if you follow me on Twitter, you would have seen it, of somebody who was able to get the flyout menus from the taskbar operating from Sun Valley. I think it was an accidental sort of leak through or whatever but it definitely highlights that rounded corners are in square edges are out so be be on the lookout for some sun valley stuff here because it's going to be pretty big but that also brings up another question is we haven't heard much about windows 10x lately and i it there's a couple things that play into this. If you think about what I just said about the store and Microsoft's change and movement and how they're going to do that. So what does that mean for Windows 10X, which was primarily going to offer, operate off of a store model? It, it throws a lot of things into question. Does that mean 10X is going to be a purely PWA experience? Does that, I, I just haven't heard a lot of musings from internal about what is going on with Windows 10X. And I'm beginning to wonder if things have completely shifted. Remember, it was originally supposed to supposed to arrive late last year and then got pushed. And I think it's been pushed potentially again uh, for its release timeline. So um, Windows 10X is, is an interesting one right now. And I think of all the things happening inside of Microsoft from a, a Windows experience is the most fluid or least understood about their actual plans because I feel like they are more shifting under the sands um, or shift whatever that analogy is than they are like bedrock foundation at this point if that makes sense so a lot of a lot of sort of excitement around windows again which is great because it's we really haven't had that in a long time yeah there was some arm stuff which let's be honest didn't hasn't really done much and then there's been some 10x stuff we even had surface neo which was canceled or delayed or whatever they're doing with neo or not doing with neo but now that we're on the on the cusp of learning about what Panos's vision for Windows 10 is and the complete overhaul of the UI, or at least a refresh, I don't know, I, I would guess maybe Windows 8 would be like a complete overhaul, but this is more of like a refresh or a modernization of the UI elements. Uh, I think there's some, uh, you know, the buddings of some excitement there. Obviously, Apple had their big event this week where they got a lot, a lot of love. And Apple, by all means, does things exceptionally well. When they can, they they are doing very good things with ARM with their M1. Um, they they 
brought out some new IMAX that I think are going to sell like crazy because they brought colors to them. Um, I suspect that they're probably going to do like an iBook treatment to the MacBook Air. And if you don't understand what that means, they took the IMAX and color eye, you know, they made them effectively like super large iPad Pros is what they kind of look like. Uh, and they anodized metal, I'm assuming, and gave them a bunch of colors. And then you have the MacBook Air, which is just sort of like teetering and tottering. But I suspect that they might go like an iBook route where they give them like, you know, bright, beautiful colors and make them all fun again. And I think Apple would do that and I think it would serve them very well. Uh, Apple is just, they're doing really interesting stuff. Whether or not you believe in the ethos of what Apple is doing, they're definitely marching to their own beat and they're definitely putting out compelling products. And so that is the end of the, the, the day. Uh, the, the one big takeaway from that event, and there's tons of other better wrap-ups, is the iPad Pro getting Thunderbolt and Microsoft just ignoring Thunderbolt. Um, I think that's a big deal because Thunderbolt opens the door to a lot of accessories. Not that there's anything wrong with the Surface Connect, but a, a Surface Connect plus a Thunderbolt would be a really good combination. Um, but right now, all Microsoft devices are just Surface Connect only, no Thunderbolt. And so, which means you are missing out on that ecosystem of accessories and high throughput for those types of devices. So, we will see. We will see what Microsoft does here. I keep hearing that Microsoft has good things planned for Surface hardware in the fall. And so maybe we'll start to see Thunderbolt then. But for now, here we are. So uh, before we jump over to the gaming news, I want to give a big shout out to my friends over at ITPro.TV. It is very important at this time to upskill yourself, right? If you're looking for high quality education, I almost want to call it edutainment because the way that they present this stuff, it's not, you don't feel so much like a classroom. It feels more like a conversation. That's what IT Pro TV does. They have just a wide variety of skill sets. You can go there, you can learn, you can upskill yourself, and you can go to itpro.tv slash sams and find a coupon for 30% off. There will be links in the descriptions all over this place, but they are a pretty good source of just learning more about the industry and upskilling yourself to make sure that as you go back into the office, you've got all the skills you need to make sure that you keep pushing the boundaries of your organization further. So... Uh, let's jump into the gaming news. So gaming news, there was, a, again, a ton of stuff this week, uh, but I'm going to really like condense this down. So uh, Microsoft is making free-to-play multiplayer available to everybody. So everybody can say play free-to-play multiplayer um, as long as the game supports it. So that is now available. Uh, xCloud or cloud gaming is now available on iOS and the browser if you got an invite. So you've got to be looking on your invites. Um, which, by the way, if you're not sure if you did get an invite or maybe it got lost in your email, I did get a notification in the Xbox app, like, you know how Xbox will message you, saying that I was now invited. Um, that did show up about 48 hours after the email did. So maybe check there, too, if you're, you know, still looking out. But I just wanted to point out one thing on the gaming side. And it's really becoming obvious that Microsoft, gosh, many, several years ago, I would venture to guess three to four years ago, Right when probably Phil was starting to get like really comfortable with what he was doing, made some really big decisions about going all in on Game Pass, going all in on this cloud gaming, and going all in on just bringing the Xbox content to every endpoint that is possible. And so since the launch of the last generation consoles last fall, there has just been a monumental wave of Xbox announcements and, and noise generating events that have kept the company in the headlines. And so, or I should say the brand. And that is extremely hard to do, like extremely hard to do, especially, and let's be honest, when your Xbox is effectively the second or more logically, probably even the third place player in the industry. I mean, Sony is very high up there. Nintendo and Sony are, are fighting out for one and two. And then there's Xbox. There's nothing wrong with the Xbox. 
Xbox brand, but they've always sort of lagged behind Sony and Nintendo. And as of right now, Xbox is just firing on all cylinders is the best way I can describe it. And the the question becomes is like, how long can they maintain this, this momentum? And so we will see now they've set a really good foundation of having good quality hardware, of having a value service with Game Pass. And now they're starting to bring their cloud gaming to multiple platforms. I think the next sort of wave of announcements, in my opinion, will be sort of like exclusives or just content like MLB The Show, I think is a perfect example. Things coming to Game Pass to truly, again, make the value just better for on Xbox. And so it's it's a pretty interesting narrative that Xbox has the most powerful console and the most value addition as well and the best value service. Um, there's... It, it started out, I don't even know if it's a meme or whatever, but now every time a game is announced, the, the tweets below it are always, is it going to be on Game Pass? Is it, And like, that's a very real thing. Like I fall into that too of like, eh, like I probably candidly probably would never have played MLB the show, except it's on Game Pass. And it's like, ah, I'll play it. Um, I probably would never have bought Madden. I have an older version and kind of scratches the itch when I need it. But hey, like it's on Game Pass. I can go, go play as Joe Burrow now. Um, it, that's the value there. And it, Microsoft has just done a wonderful job of staying in the headlines and I think they deserve more credit than they are getting I think Phil Spencer has placed a lot of bets and you got to understand that these bets and these these bets happened years ago and so now we are just starting to see his true breadth and, and vision coming to reality not just on paper not just promises but actual and tangible shipping items and so it's an exciting time in the xbox world i think is what i'm trying to to boil it down to and i'm curious and anxious to see how they keep this momentum going but they've had a lot of tricks up their sleeve and i suspect actually i'm pretty sure i know that they have more to come so just be on the lookout for a bunch of that so good job team xbox i think is is where we're headed anyways a uh, quick Quick little video here from my friends over at Devolutions before we jump into the questions of the week. Remote Desktop Manager helps you centralize, manage, and secure access to remote connections, tools, and passwords on a single platform. Streamline your daily workflow with powerful automation tools and securely launch remote sessions without even seeing the credentials. No more pesky sticky notes with passwords on them. On to the questions of the week, which is always my favorite part. First question is J5. It says, what are those controllers you have on your iPhone or your Xbox or iOS video? So if you watch the hands-on that I did, um, posted up yesterday of using iOS and xCloud, it's called a backbone. That is that is the name. There's also a device called like a Razer Kishi, uh, but that was the, the backbone that I was using. I will have a review on that hopefully up next week. Uh, Tourniquet says, and now that the plans for the new store have leaked, one thing that seems to be missing is Project Latte. Do you know if Microsoft plans to put Android apps into the store or do they want to use those apps in a different way? So it was my understanding that Project Latte worked by using the, the CDNs coming from Google. Effectively, if you listen to the previous part of this podcast, what I mean is that Google would be able to put the apps from Google Play into the store, but they would control that whole experience, meaning the CDN and the update and delivering model. So Microsoft would just have them in a, a store window, if you will, but Google would be controlling the CDN model. I don't know where that is in development or if they, Microsoft and Google wherever come to, came to terms because there was some headbutting along the way, um, but that was the model as I understood it. Uh, Microsoft seems, he also says, Microsoft seems desperate to get back into the consumer space. Now that the Discord deal has failed, what do you think will be the next target? So 
I don't know if I would use the term desperate to get back into the consumer space, but it is by far the most obvious area for growth for Microsoft. Yes, they do have consumer connections, Xbox being the pride and, and crown jewel of that experience. Windows does as well, uh, but Windows is more of a utility rather than something that people like really enjoy enjoy using. Maybe I don't know if that's the right terminology. Um, I don't know if they have a, an additional plan B. I mean, you got to look, they actually were thinking about Pinterest as well. Um, it looks like Microsoft wants to spend some money and, and they have been spending money and so they've got a lot of dollar dues in the bank account and I don't know explicitly what their next target would be but they definitely tread a little bit more carefully into the consumer space because they've had a lot of failures like the consumer line uh, or the phone line the the music devices the the bands um, there's a rich history of things in the consumer world just don't work out for the right the way that Microsoft operates and so I personally think that if they're going to go back into the consumer space discord was like the perfect like tool like the gaming arena is where microsoft has shown that it can do well and i think that's the natural evolution of, of how they continue to potentially expand uh, simon says i remember you complaining about the previous amd based surface which has had the issue of the screen brightness where it could be it could not be adjusted has this been fixed in this year's version um i need to dig in a little more so right now i've been running it mostly on max performance trying to just you know, really stress this thing and get some battery life testing. But it is something that I need to, f I need to figure out if the registry key uh, actually works this time, changing it, uh, switching it off. So if what he's referring to is sometimes you would be on dark screens and then you go to a light screen, it almost looks like a ghosting effect. Microsoft calls this weird feature like dynamic resolution or, or something like that. I can't remember what it's called. Um, dy dynamic refresh rate, something weird. And it's really annoying. So I haven't noticed it, which is probably a good thing. So just keep that in mind. A grown man grumble says, do you have any insights or best guesses as to when we might see the Surface Studio 3? And if so, what do you expect it to look like in terms of specs and features? So the Surface Studio 3 was like ready to go out the door. I don't know when Microsoft is going to push it. Um, my best guess, earliest guess would obviously be this fall, but I don't know if it is actually shipping this fall or not. Uh, an old Amiga user says, do you think that Windows 10X will run on ARM? Uh, what is the possibility of a 10X-based Surface Duo? Um, I do believe it was in the plans for 10X to run on ARM. I think that was a given, uh, or not a given, a known, at least I'm pretty sure I knew that. I don't think it was intended to ship. Initially is where you might be hearing from. Initially, it was 10X was going to ship on Intel devices. Uh, but now that it's been delayed so much, it very well could ship on ARM devices. I honestly think it makes more sense probably on ARM devices. Uh, would it come to the Duo? Um, I don't know because I don't know enough about how it works on small form factor screens. Remember, it's supposed to come to a Surface Neo, which was just a, a biggie sized version of the Duo. So uh, we will see. Uh, RS Handle says, Amazon Luna and Google Stadia both came out with Wi-Fi controllers for their streaming game service. The goal with these are to reduce latency for gaming by bypassing the device as the middle connection to the internet. What are your thoughts on the, on the effectiveness of those and does Xbox need to do to take what it, does Xbox need to do this to address that last 10% that you have mentioned? So I think it would be, so let me put it this way. If Google is doing it and also Amazon is doing it, very clearly they see that there is tangible value in this experience. The reason why I think Microsoft may have not done it yet is you got to remember is that unlike Stadia and Luna, those are the product. Right now, Microsoft cloud gaming is really in its beta and infancy. It would not surprise me in the slightest to see an actual Xbox controller, maybe an Elite, although that would be pretty expensive, uh, that connects directly to the internet like these devices and navigates that that 
little bit of latency. He's got to remember we're now into where small increments make big improvements. And I do believe that Microsoft should at least explore this and it would shock me if they haven't. But I, the reason I think we may not have seen it yet is like it just came out on the browser like this week and very few people have access to it. Um, it just came out on iOS. Very few people have access to it. Now it is more widely available on Android and maybe that gen that demographic would be more interested in it. But it, I think they might be potentially waiting until uh, all, all the, you know, effectively endpoints are available. Brother Nod says, what is going on with the Surface Hub? Is it a good product for teams, focus, work groups? Surface Hub is continuing to chug along. Actually, I, I, I think there were some hiccups along the way because of the what happened in 2020, uh, considering that Surface Hubs are great for conference rooms and nobody could go in a conference room for a year. Um, but I've always heard that they sell really, really well. So I think Microsoft might be scaling back some of their ambitions on having this completely customized and tailored OS experience for it. But here we are. Uh, it says, are there still uh, major upgrades on the horizon? They're considering an 85-inch. I think the 85-inch is actually selling pretty well, too. Um, those just came out not long ago. Mr. PKI says, getting back into everyone's closing question of the week, do you think we are headed for all Tier 1 games being exclusive for the new consoles like Battlefield 6? Interesting. So we are at, there's going to be a tipping point where games only ship on new consoles and they start to leaving the, the old stuff behind. Microsoft is pretty well known for shipping these. They've already said Infinite was coming on the old console, but keep in mind that when Infinite ships, it was supposed to ship a year previous, so maybe that might change. Um, I definitely think we are starting to get that tipping point where we will start to see true next-gen exclusives once we hit about that one-year mark. There also might be tied into actual console availability. Remember, it's still really hard to get one. So I, I could see the tipping point actually being mostly... Um, when get, when consoles are like you can just walk into Best Buy and grab one and not have to worry about scalpers. But I think Battlefield 6 is a good start uh, of that next generation talk and true next generation titles. And he says, out of curiosity, has Paul ever watched or listened to the Sam's report? Um, I think, but candidly, like I don't really watch Windows Weekly where like I, I we talk so much that watching an hour or 45 minute long podcast or 30 minutes, actually these things are about 30 minutes, um, I don't think he does. I don't think he does. And here we go. Actually, the last question, Mr. PKI got sniped uh, by JNBCK, who got one in just a second before he did. Uh, since since it's all the rage, what are your opinions on Flocker, F-L-O-C? And without or cookies, can Firefox and Opera, and et cetera, still compete? My baseline thing is this is coming from Google. Google has uh, a very vested interest in advertising technology. And I think that's why there's a lot of skepticism around Flock right now. And so a lot of people see Google put this out. Google makes the majority of its money on advertising. And I think everyone's trying to figure out how Google has figured out a way to benefit themselves with cookies. Yes, they are saying, hey, it's available to everybody or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, Google is a juggernaut in the industry from a browser perspective, from a cookie perspective, from a data and analytics perspective. And so when they come out with a new standard, I don't see everyone else just jumping onto it because they're trying to figure out what's the backdoor that Google has figured out with this technology. I'm still in the middle ground right now. Uh, it looks like a lot of people are as well. WordPress being one of them. A headline came out that WordPress was going to block this, but I think they're still figuring that out. And so I think there's just more information that needs to be known uh, for the time being. It's just one of those things as an outside observer to just watch carefully 
because Google is trying to push an industry standard while kicking out an old industry standard. And so the bent is why they, they say privacy, but we all know how Google is with privacy. So there you go, guys. Well, everybody, that actually wraps it up for the week. I want to give a big shout out to my friends over at Devolutions and ITPro.TV. You can go to ITPro.TV slash stamps for a coupon offer. As always, folks, very much appreciate everyone coming to hang out. We'll catch all of you right back here next time.